I'm so tired. There's not enough hours in the day. Bullshit excuses. I've got too much to do. I have to work late. I have to run the kids around. The bullshit excuses. I have to get up early tomorrow. They end now. This is fitness for nine to fivers. You work day-to-day jobs. In fact, you may even have two, and you've been trying to fit in a healthy lifestyle. We have the solution. This is fitness for nine to fivers. And this is Andrew Marsham. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Fitness for 95ers podcast with myself, Andrew Marsham. Today, we are joined by a very special guest, um, a Mr. James Alexander Ellis. Now, I'm just doing a quick intro. We're going to get straight into the, the questions with James after this. But we touch on quite a lot of things, how to, to prepare during lockdown, how to thrive during lockdown, how he has, has grown his business to, to where it is today and the challenges of, of being a pro bodybuilder, pro fitness model, and how that, that then passes on to his daily clients. And, and guys like like you and me who are just looking to, to get fitter, healthier, leaner, more confident. So we get we get into an in-depth discussion with James. Um, incredible podcast, incredible value here for anyone listening. If you've enjoyed it, please leave a like or leave a, a quick review. That would be massively appreciated. Um, and of course, share on and, and tag us if you're listening in. That would be absolutely fantastic. But hopefully you enjoy this one um, and let's get to it. Oh, before I move on, for anyone who hasn't grabbed their completely free two-week trial, which is a free two-week trial of our online coaching program, do so at the link in the description. It will be the top link in the podcast description link. So grab yourself that if you haven't done so already. Right. So, um, first question, James, and that is going to be one that's slightly probably left field, we'll say. <laughs> but if you were stranded in a desert, oh, if you were stranded on a desert island, what three things would you take and why? <laughs> okay, so that's a really good question. Um, I'll give you some unusual answers that will probably help you guys um, understand or help some of my fans or your fans understand a bit about me. The first thing that I would take is I would take my earplugs with me. <laughs> and um, the reason I say that is because I've got super sharp hearing. I spent 10 years working as a professional DJ in a previous life. Hence, I'm an exhibitionist, obviously. And um, I've got really, really pin sharp hearing. So what I tend to do is find that wherever I try and sleep, even the smallest noise will disturb me. So I would make sure I packed my earplugs, not my AirPods, but my earplugs shove those in and I can sleep for hours then, but otherwise, no. The second thing I would take with me is um, one of my favorite possessions that I can't be without. And I know that some of you guys know what I'm about to say, but Andrew, you won't know what I'm about to say. It's this. Your bike. <laughs> that is my personal favorite possession. I absolutely love it. It keeps me fit. It keeps me sane. I tend to get outside in it three times a week at least. And so that gives me a lot of pleasure. Um, the third item, now, disclaimer, I haven't mentioned my mobile phone yet. So I know that everyone's mobile phone is like sort of connected to them. So we could almost assume that my phone's coming with me anyway. It's not one of the three. The third item is this. 
<laughs> I have a tripod and the I actually tripod. have two because you're on a tripod right now. Um, basically, without this thing, I can't do my calls. I can't film myself. It's just amazing. And anyone that doesn't have a good quality tripod, this is a gorilla pod. It's but it's really good. So those are the three. Thank you. I like it, mate. I like it. I like it. Um, so let's kind of get into more the, the, the meat of the the questions here, James. So firstly, tell us a bit about yourself. What kind of got you into training first and foremost, and then into the coaching side as well? What was the, the kind of initial motivations and things that got you started? I think the catalyst was um, I grew up as a fairly lonely child and um, I was a little bit chubby when I was a kid. So when I went to school, I was on the verge of like being one of the fat kids. And although I was never really bullied or teased, I was kind of fringe. And when I joined the rugby team, I was like, you know, one of the heavier lads. Yeah. And I never really liked that. And so I think um, as a kid, I got a little bit of body dysmorphia. And when I started looking around and watching like Hollywood films and stuff, I used to see like, you know, Stallone and Schwarzenegger and all these characters. And it really, really hit home with me that that's how a man should look. Like, why would a man not look like that with pecs and shoulders and abs? And that just totally motivated me. And I started working out when I was 18. Um, I didn't, I haven't worked out continuously since then, but I worked out from 18 onwards and I started, my body shape changed. I was very lucky with my genetics. Um, and that, that was years before I took any performance enhancements. So this was just like genes galore and natural testosterone levels. And, um, and, and so that was the thing. And then I was very lucky to develop my physique quickly. I became a PT. I started competing. So that just took it from one extreme to another extreme to another extreme. And in the end, um, I, I guess I burnt out a bit. And now... I'd rather have a slightly more relaxed life and then therefore I can be a coach and I can focus on other people's goals. So that's a, a quick summary of the last 20 years of my life. Oh, oh, oh. Same we got a little bit of Roby connection there. Oh, all good. Oh, well, I'll, tr- I'll try 4G yep. in a second. Let me just flip to 4G so if there's any... No, no problem. Okay, I'm on 4G now. I don't know if this is going to be better or worse. Let, let me know if it's better or worse. No problem. Seems okay. Seems okay. Okay. So, yeah, short history of my life there. But now um, now I've kind of given up bodybuilding, even though you wouldn't tell to look. <laughs> um, I mostly ride my bike and I worry about other people's bodybuilding. Good stuff. Good stuff. We'll, we'll touch in more into the bodybuilding now. I had you down as winning your pro card back in Las Vegas, but Correct me if I'm wrong, what was the, where had you initially won, sorry, the pro card again? I was lucky enough to win my pro card in 2012, and I was actually in a state in North America called Connecticut. Right, And basically what I'd done was, when I won Miami Pro in 2012, um, I was full of confidence, and I was in the shape of my life, and I wanted to go to WBFF, because it's like the holy grail for fitness models and muscle models, and I ended up going to Connecticut, because the next available show was just two weeks after I won the Miami Pro. And for the, if you guys who don't know, Miami Pro is a UK event. It's not in Miami. It's just called Miami Pro. And um, so I went straight, pretty much jumped on a plane to go and compete in the States, which was like, you know, a bit bullish of me. And I won my pro card at that event. So Excellent. How did that feel? It was probably the single most exhilarating experience of my adult life, as sad as it seems, because, you know, standing on stage, being adored, being given trophies and stuff, 
it's I mean it's a bit of a vanity ego experience, but it was it was surreal because the venue was absolutely enormous, and I'm standing there, and I didn't expect to win. And when they called my name, I was like, wow! And like it was a big crowd, and it was a massive room. It was like being in the O2 Arena, and I was the only English guy there. Yeah. All the other competitors were Americans, and so I came along as the English <laughs> guy, and I beat all the Americans, and they were lovely about it because they're all so supportive. So it was. It was an unforgettable yeah. moment in my adult life in terms of success. Excellent. Excellent. What was the what was maybe the toughest moment from that prep? Was there any kind of wobbles or how how did you get on prepping for those separate shows and maybe doing them so quick back to back as well? Yeah. How did you feel doing that and, and what was the kind of most challenging moments would you say throughout it? The good question. I mean, um, at the time, I had just separated from my girlfriend of five years. So I had all this freedom and spare time. So I was able to devote all my hours to dieting, doing cardio and all the horrible things you have to do when you do a yeah. competition. <laughs> but because there was a two week break between the competitions, I was a bit mindful as to how to maintain my my state and then go on a plane. And I think the only the only thing that was challenging was not knowing how my body would react having reached an absolute peak and then having two weeks of like, I don't know what, and then do another yeah. show. And um, it's something that I help my clients with now because, you know, depending on how long the break is between shows, you can approach the food and the training differently. Yeah, of course. Um, I think, of course. I think the thing was, I was worried that I was going to do like a long flight, like a 10 hour journey. And then I had to acclimatize in Connecticut. I had to get a hotel. The other thing is, this stuff was fucking expensive. I mean, I wasn't sponsored back then. So yeah. do, doing these flights, you know, the flights was like $800, sorry, 800 pounds. The accommodation was $200 a night. I had to enter the competition. I had to get the tan. The whole thing cost me an absolute fortune and thankfully it paid off. So I think for me, um, the struggles were all in here. The body was fine, but it was just like, yeah. I didn't know what I was letting myself in for. Yeah, of course. Of course, it's always going to get to that stage, especially when you're that lean as well. The, the, the mind starts to play tricks on you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's um, a lot of selfie taking at that time. Of course, of course. Got to make the most of it right now. Um, but what would you say, well, big question here, James, what would you say has been your proudest moment in your life? Well, actually, I think it was before the competing. Um, when I was, I've had, had a very colourful adult life. And when I was, um, when I left uni, I started working in the field of architecture and healthcare design. And I'm a qualified um, industrial designer and I've got a master's degree in urban design. So very much lent my skill set as a sort of vocational career to doing, um, to doing architecture. So I actually worked in a house builder for about six years. Excellent. And then I decided um, that it wasn't for me and I was just too interested in my training. I had, my, I had a personal trainer at the time, a guy called Ben Carpenter and um, Paul Eastwood, two guys that totally motivated me to actually pursue personal training. And they said to me, look, you could be a PT. And I was like, nah, couldn't be a PT. Like these days, everyone knows that anyone can be a PT. But 10 years ago, it was an unusual thing to change your yeah. career and requalify. And it cost me a lot of money. I had to do like a 12 week full-time course because they actually wanted to teach you. And, and so my proudest moment was having the balls to leave behind a career that was affluent and, and, and long-term, make the leap of faith to retrain, to follow my heart and do something that um, is yeah. much more rewarding. And now, um, obviously, it was the right thing to do. And I think that's my proudest moment. Fantastic, mate. I love that. And obviously, just based off what you said there, obviously, a right decision then. 
Yeah. Oh, well, my God. I mean, I can't imagine, I can't imagine not being self-employed and I can't imagine not working in the fitness industry because as you know, there are pressures and there's a lot of stress when you are yeah. self-employed and coaching brings its own challenges. But compared to sitting in an office and being in front of a computer all day, which weirdly is still what I do today, but I get a lot more feedback from my clients. Whereas when I worked as an architect, you don't really get to meet the end user because the person yeah. that buys the house and lives in it, that's really your client. You don't get to yeah. speak to them. So it's all no. a bit faceless. Yeah, yeah. 100%. I, I, I think for this, certainly for me, coming into fitness injury over the last few years, that one of the, the biggest things is like people's transformations. I get, I get more out of them, them getting the result and, and working towards or having that epiphany around health and fitness than, yes. than I do my own training, you know, and it yes. can be a very, very rewarding thing to do. Um, yeah, definitely. I think you're right. It's more about the client now and it's less about me and I, that makes me feel better, weirdly. Yeah. And it, yeah, as it's, it's a vanity metric in another sense. It makes you feel good, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like but, at the but, end of the day, you're helping all, other people. It all gives us a big hit of dopamine when we yeah. have this experience, and it's just nice to be able to help other people because I was very much I was blessed that I had a lot of mentoring when I first started my yeah. serious training. You know, my boss at my first job, Emma Brace, she was my PT mentor. I had mentoring from photographers like Simon Barnes and I and Giles Crofter, and I had. Um, my posing coach, when I first started competing, Audrey Kaipio was my posing coach. And she just molded me into this like rock star on stage. And yes. I wouldn't have been able to do that without this support network. So now when a client comes to me, whether it's a, it's a, you know, a corporate guy or if it's a competitor, you know, they need mentoring and handholding. And I can be their yeah. support network as a coach. And like you said, it's 100%. very rewarding. 100%. I think you've touched on a really good point there. How important, and this kind of off script from the ones we had in mind, but how important do you feel mentoring is, no matter who, what level you're at or what the goal is? Do you feel that's something you place a really high value on? Do you have mentors to this day in different areas? or How, yeah. how much value do you place on mentorship itself? I think, um, I think that with health and weight loss, um, you can some clients can get by without the mentoring role. They can get by just on information and maybe a little bit of like accountability and support. Um, but there are certain clients that um, they struggle more with these things and they need more handholding and they need more mentoring. And essentially what I do with my coaching, probably much like yourself, I have a higher tier package that I charge for. And if the client wants to go all in and wants a little bit more of my own personal time, I can mentor them through and how I handhold them through the process. But I've also had clients over the years that I've literally given them a program and they've disappeared for three months and come back and then gone, I'm all done. Ta-da. <laughs> they, they, they didn't need mentoring. I think that, you know, when we start talking about like maybe business to business and when it comes to like business coaching or sales yeah. coaching, I think that's when everyone needs maybe a bit more of a mentor. And yeah. um, I've been lucky to benefit from um, some business mentor mentoring over the years, thanks to people like Phil Graham, for example, and um, and uh, Mark Coles has been a good influence on me. It sort of set me in the right direction. Essentially, made me be a better coach. So, um, and um, probably the same with yourself. You can probably yeah. credit various business mentors. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I don't think I'd defend anywhere near close to the success, or that I even helped helped as many people as I have without that mentorship. So, mm. it's certainly something I place a very high value on. Um, but what would be what would maybe be your biggest failing, James? Maybe over the last you know ten to twenty years, what would you put down as your biggest failing, and why? I've been too lazy and too complacent. Absolutely, absolutely, definitely, that is it. 
Yeah. I was very, very blessed to have experienced um, the very shiny side of my industry. I got very lucky to grow a big following very early on. I got lucky then to benefit from, from the spin-offs, the um, sponsorships, paid endorsements, flying around the world. I was in 12 countries in 2019, and eight of them were all related to doing seminars or going out for clients or whatever. So, and, and being able to do all that stuff made me lazy because I was focused on like the kind of like the ego fulfillment side yeah. of all this stuff. And it, it's great signing autographs and being at expos and walking around with my shirt off. That was amazing at the time, but it left me a bit complacent. And what it did was it meant that when I was coaching between 2013 and 2018, I wasn't really coaching properly because I was too busy running around and, and traveling and doing photo shoots and I got complacent and lazy. And even to this day, I'm still relearning how to be a coach and a mentor to people because yeah. I had such bad productivity habits when I was a little bit younger. Yeah. Well, there you go. At least you've, you recognize that now. And I think we all have those. We, all, we can all slip into those traps, especially yes. someone like yourself who's experienced so much success as well, you know? One more thing I would add, this is more of a personal note. I think that I was, I've always been very consumed by my career, like a lot of us. Yeah. But also because my career has been a passion of mine, I think I've let it take a priority over a lot of my personal relationships. Yeah, I hear and all that's, <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and although that's not something that I've suffered with personally, I know that I've had like friends and partners and ex-partners that have probably been on the receiving end of someone that was a bit unavailable because I was too busy thinking about my business. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a big lesson we could all learn as well, 100%. Yes. Um, it's a very, very easy mistake to make, especially when you love what you do. Um, so I completely understand where you're coming from there. Yeah. Um, next question for me is, if you could go back to the start of 2020, um, what would you do differently knowing what has happened this year? That's a really good question. It's very topical. I mean... I was very lucky that I've been gradually turning my business into more and more of an, an online based um, business model. So by the time we first had our lockdown in March 2020, I was already at probably 80 percent of my business was doing online coaching. Yeah. Um, so I was ahead of the curve slightly. And although everyone's doing online now, I was kind of doing it anyway. So in that respect, I don't have too many regrets. I think that maybe what I could have done is just been a bit more strict about my time because I think I did spend a little bit of a while transitioning some of my clients to online clients. And obviously not all of your one-to-one -one trainer clients want to do online because it's not what they wanted in the first place. And unless you're a very good salesman, it might be hard to convince people that online coaching will be just as effective. So I think that my only regret is maybe, um, although I was already had the wheels in motion, I think I could have put a bit more momentum into it. And also knowing that these lockdowns would be on and off, I yeah. think I could have pushed a little bit harder, motivated my clients a little bit more to get onto the online coaching. And to yeah. be fair, when, when, when lockdown started, I had a few clients, um, ones in North America, that were on the cusp of buying a coaching package. And because their gyms closed down, they were like, I don't want to do it anymore. And I was like, okay. Whereas what I should have said is, what the fuck are you going to do without a gym? And if you don't have a coach, are you going to sit around at home eating donuts? Yeah. And so, you know, I've never been much of a salesman. My type of coaching is, is, in, um, is teaching based, not motivation based. 
So yeah. I've never been the kind of character to try and twist somebody's arm. You know, if you want to work with me, you work with me. But it's yeah. never been my thing to try and twist somebody's arm. And I think I should have done that with a few of my clients earlier this year because those people have reached out to me since then and said, I'm now in a terrible state. I wish we'd started in March. Yeah, I think I think at the end of the day, the way when it comes to spinning sales, like most of the time you're doing it for the good of the, the, the person on the other end. Like if you genuinely yes. believe you can help them, it may, it may come across sometimes as sneaky salesmen or putting pressure on someone. But at the end of the day, if you if you know someone on the other end of the phone that you can 100% help them, I think it's Definitely. our duty at times to, to get them to take action because I yes. feel so many people just hold themselves back. They, yes. they fear they feel that they fear the failure from the from themselves. It's yeah. not necessarily what you offer or what your coaching does. It's it's more mm. that, that that lack of belief in themselves that I often find sometimes people just need that little push over the edge. <laughs> I, to I totally agree, Andrew. And do you know what? Um, one of the things that I was taught, which was a, a different mindset shift for me, was that that um, the reason people aren't achieving their goals or they're overweight or they're unhealthy is because they remain within their comfort zone. And we know this concept of comfort zone. And as a coach, it's the moral duty to push them outside of that comfort zone because we know that yeah. if they go outside of their comfort zone, they'll get results. Always. It always happens. And yeah. unfortunately that process involves a financial discussion because at the end of the day, we can't deliver our services until we yeah. get paid. <laughs> and so as much as we might want to help people for free, we've all got mortgages to pay or whatever. So that movement out of the comfort zone often involves a financial transaction. So therefore they go hand in hand. So like you said, I don't think coaches should be ever worried to talk about money and should be as upfront as possible when it comes to that sort of thing, because then we take it to the next step and then you start getting results. At the, at the end of the day as well, and I hammer this home quite a lot in, in my socials and things like that when people ask me about it, when people pay, they pay attention, you know. Like, exactly, exactly. There's, 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 there's then a tangible benefit. Yeah. And you know that um, when you give free advice to one of your friends, they don't follow it. So what's the yeah. point? <laughs> I, I've coached family members for free. I've coached friends yeah. for free. And they never do anything. <laughs> like and, and and you're giving them exact same service, you know. Um, but it is what it is. Um, but kind of let, let's kind of switch for we'll switch gears now to looking forward, James. What are you most excited for looking forward over the next few years? I think um, the main thing for me, I guess, looking forward over the next few years, I'm, I'm quite guilty of not setting long-term goals. I like to live in the moment. Yeah. And the, re the reason that I'm like that is because I've had a lot of fun in my adult life. I've been able to do a lot of fun stuff. Like I said, transition to personal training was very indulgent and I really enjoyed the process. When I used to DJ, I used to play in nightclubs all over the country and get right. paid loads of money. So I've had this what very... What kind of music did you play? <laughs> um, hard house and trance. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. And um, I had my own record label and all sorts. It was amazing. Um, but, but I guess... So because I've had this hedonistic life and I've always lived in the moment and enjoyed myself, um, I never like to look to the future too much because I find a lot of people spend so long looking to the future, they don't enjoy the moment. 
And yeah. at the end of the day, we all die at some point. So, oh, like, you know, the future we're looking forwards at some time, it's always capped and we're going to open the ground. I know it's a bit morbid, but if I was to focus on long term goals, my main thing is my coaching business. I've seen such um, improvements in my own ability to deliver results. And the systems that I've put in place and the resources that I get to my clients now is so different. Um, it's to the point now where I could switch my phone off for two or three days and not worry about any of my clients because they've got all the resources they need and, yeah. and the various different systems that I've put in place. And I could switch my phone on and it's not going to be full of messages going, oh, hey, I need a program or what do I do or what do I eat? And I know that that um, level of coaching business can be expanded. I think I'm about halfway in my journey to being an amazing coach. And um, I think the results I deliver at the moment to a, like a fairly small group of trainees can be scaled massively. And the more yeah. people I can help, obviously, the more impact I can have. So I think for me, I've got like fairly short to medium goals about when it comes to expanding my business, putting in more systems and more resources. And that, that excites me. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, Talking more about obviously clients here then, and, and obviously you, you've had a lot of experience working with a hell of a lot of people over the years, but what do you think holds most people back from getting results when it comes to losing fat, getting in shape, or going after the body of their dreams, whatever the dream goal is for them, what do you think holds the majority of people back from achieving that? And I suppose we can mm. touch on it briefly. I mean, that's an amazing question. And it's the sort of thing that you and I would both make dedicated videos about so yeah. you can try and help people. There's so many different ways you could answer that. I mean, I think that, um, and this isn't meant to sound salesy at all. I think most people try and do this process by themselves. Yeah. And so they're essentially winging it. And I liken, you know, a physique transformation or learning new habits to something like, you know, um, doing your accounts by yourself or trying to fix your car by yourself. You've got professionals that will guarantee a good result. Yeah. So I think, I think a lot of people are doing it on their own and some people are fine and some people aren't because they need accountability to support. And without accountability to support, the information yeah. on its own is useless. You know as well that if you give a great training plan to somebody, um, but you know, they don't implement it and they've got no support, and it's not going to happen. But you could give a rubbish training plan and you could support them through the process and they'd be consistent. They get a good result. Yeah. So that's, that's the first thing. The second thing is that um, I think the more discomfort a client is in and the more a place where they're coming from, from pain or, or yeah. desperation or hurt, the more driven they are. And I think that, um, you know, if someone says to me, I say, what's your goal? They say, well, you know, I'd, think I want to do this or maybe I want to do that I'm like you don't sound very clear on what you want and I can't tell you what you want so you know when a client's crystal clear on their goal and it's clearly a, a painful situation then they want it badly and then when somebody wants something badly then they generally get the results so I think I think it's um you know it's that fire and that drive and that that coming from a from a place of pain I guess and that's where we solve people's problems yeah Fully agree, mate. Fully agree. And, and to, to kind of reiterate the point you said at the start, I'm very much a believer in, you know, if you're starting from zero with something like this, and, and you use the, the, the kind of similar analogy, but it's like getting a driving instructor to pass your test. Like, yeah, yeah. You get someone who can help you to test it. If you're going in day one and you've never done any of this before, you can never be expected to be reasonably good or efficient at it. So mm. even investing in yourself for six to 12 months, getting some help, understanding the concepts, that will that will stand you instead for the rest of your life. You know, I mean, our bodies aren't going anywhere until you're on the ground. Yes. So if you can understand yes. how to control the food, nutrition, your exercise, train how to control your, your body, I think that's 
I would be hard pushed to to find another better investment that you could possibly make. Uh, in all honesty, that, that, that's my that's my kind of stance on things. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I I invested plenty of money in PTs and coaches in the build up to maybe yeah. like 2018, and it was always money well spent because I learned stuff from all of them. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, how do you maybe can I help combat? How sorry, let me if I can speak right here. How do you help clients? combat maybe those sticking points or when they aren't implementing the plan that you've set out how do you help coach them through that or get things going um, when they're going through that lull and motivation or they're maybe struggling to implement things that you've laid out and kind of discussed for them well that's a good question I mean um, what I do with my clients is like I, I, I tend to have clients that pay me more and they get a bit more of my time and so therefore when I jump on a call or a zoom with a client and it's more of a deep dive yeah, um, it's not really an issue because at the end of the day, they've invested a lot of money in me. And, and if I said, hey, look, Andrew, look, um, you've not been doing your workouts. You know, do you remember why you contacted me in the first place? Tell me what your goal was. And I'll say, oh, this is my goal. And I'll say, do you remember what we agreed? And you, we said that if you were going to do X, Y and Z, you could definitely achieve it. And it's about bringing people back to what their original reason for starting was. And also um, another thing is that if there is a logistical, like an obstacle, which is in someone's place, maybe it's the environment they're in or it's um, a limiting belief, we will talk about that on the phone and say, look, you know, um, if your housemates are trying to derail you constantly by giving you donuts, then that's the thing we've got to deal with. You know, cause, because um, if you can unpick the problem, there's always, um, a, there's always a rational solution to it generally. Um, the, the worst yeah. thing is if someone just isn't, isn't feeling motivated. And, um, you know, I guess that's when you, again, you just bring it back down. I say to a lot of my clients, say, look, if you're not feeling motivated, go and stand naked in front of the mirror and look at yourself in the mirror. Because let's be honest, a lot of people come to us because they want physical changes, even though there are mental and physical benefits. They want to look different. So when people start getting a bit um, bogged down and they're not sure what they want, just go and stand in front of the mirror with your clothes off and have a look at yourself. And that, that will tell you everything that you want and then come back to me. And it's a bit stark yeah. and a bit harsh, but like it tends that. to work with people. Um, yeah, I mean, Listen, you might... some, people, some people need that sometimes, you know. Um, and obviously, you need a decent relationship with your clients to be able to do that. So, um, yes. But again, some people do need to hear that at times. Um, yes. Can I like hearty one here then? What's your, what's your favourite post-workout meal, James? Talk me through it. <laughs> so um, many of my followers will know that I'm almost a lifetime keto addict. I started dieting on a ketogenic style back in 2009, actually. So a bloody long time ago. And what I tend to do is um, I tend to always stick to a low-carb approach. It works great for me. It makes me feel better. My skin is clear. I, I'm sure it's kept me looking younger over the years. Um, I'm a big believer in that um, carbohydrate-based diets for certain people cause oxidative stress and, you know, um, and all this kind of thing. So I'm, I'm big into my personal low-carb diet. So um, weirdly, something that would be a treat for me to get back from a, a workout is I would get something which is maybe a bit more of a dirty meal. I get like a couple of big chicken breasts and I get some like um, um, some chorizo and I get a load of cheese where it might be like cheddar cheese or some white cheese. And I basically have a big plate full of cheese and meat and I would eat that. <laughs> and I actually did that today. And to some of you guys, listen, you think, well, that's like, oh, that's not even healthy. How could that be a treat? Um, or, you know, that's not something that you would eat. But for me, that's, um, 
normally I would eat like meat, vegetables, salad, but to just chuck a load of cheese and, and maybe some like mayonnaise and a load of chicken breast on a bowl and just cover it with salt and pepper. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, I like but that. I do, I, like I do eat junk. I do eat junk food, and I'll do that once a week as a treat. But as a post-workout meal, I just keep yeah. it a little bit more within the boundaries. Yeah, Sounds not a very good answer. Sorry. No, I like it. Mate. Listen, I've, I've just got their own likes and dislikes. Can um, I essentially last kind of question to, to put your brain on here? But what would you see as maybe the the kind of four most uh, four characteristics, or give us four characteristics of the most successful clients or anyone who's working towards a goal, what do you think are four key characteristics um, mm. that you would generally tend to see? Um, I think the first one that I would do is honesty, because as you know, a coaching relationship relies on full disclosure. And what yeah. I want to expect from a client at the point of initial consultation, when I send them a form to fill out, like you tend to do, I want to hear everything, all the good stuff, all the bad stuff. So like, you know, if I, if, if the client that I'm taking on is, um, you know, if they're an alcoholic, I want to know about it. If they take steroids, I want to know about it. If they've got a coke addiction, I want to know about it. I'm not saying these are common things, but the, I, the, the coach has to know. So honesty is key. And that goes through the relationship then. How did you get on with your workouts this week? I haven't been to the gym. I'm really sorry. I've been depressed. Great, because we can deal with that. But if they lie, uh, yeah, I went to the gym three times. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, honesty is key. The second one is um, I tend to get on well with clients that are um, comfortable and um, keen on using data and technology because I love my clients where possible to log their foods unless they really don't want to. And I like my clients to wear a fitness tracker so I can track their calories. So if there's a bit of an interest in data and fitness technology, I think it makes an online coaching relationship um, yeah. a bit more a bit more keen. Um, I guess the other two qualities, um, I didn't plan this many answers actually. I guess the other two qualities is that um, people that are compliant, and I guess that's a sort of very general term meaning that people that do what they're told, because I know that if people follow my plan, they'll get results. And um, so, you know, compliance as a client is something that any trainer like uh, Adias uh, um, has, a, has an ideal of. And I think this comes back to, you know, if you pay, you tend to pay attention. Yeah. So I just hope that, and when, when I was a trainer, um, when I was a client to my coach, Ben Carpenter, he used to say to me, you're my most compliant client. And I didn't think I knew what compliant meant back then, but I looked up in the dictionary and I realized what he meant when he said compliant. Yeah. I did everything <laughs> he said. I followed the plan to the letter and I got really good results from it. So compliance is one. And um, I guess... Another quality that I like to have my clients these days, which shows that I'm maturing as a, as a coach, is that I like my clients to be um, health-centric, yeah. not just vanity-centric. Because you know, as well as I do, that in, when someone is entirely vanity-focused, they may be disappointed at times in their journey because it yeah. can always be hard to get leaner or bigger or both. And it requires a fucking huge commitment to your diet and your lifestyle. However, if you're slightly more fitness focused or health centric, you can always see continued results in your fitness and your health without having to give up all the pleasures in your life. And therefore, it makes my coaching experience a little bit easier. And I can constantly keep that person fulfilled and happy throughout the relationship yeah. without having to get sticky <clears throat> like, you know, um, I've got down to 5% body fat. Now I've got to get to 4% body fat. And I'll say, well, look, it's probably going to take you another month just to drop 1%. And it gets, it gets a bit more arduous when the yeah. relationship is like that. Yeah. So health, health focus and fitness focus. I love it. Yep. 
Fantastic, fantastic, James. That's excellent. Um, we'll just get round things off. Um, I know we're live on Instagram at the moment, but this will be posted as a podcast over on my own platform as well. So yeah, for cool. anyone who is listening back in the podcast, James, where can they find you? Is there anything you want to shout out, promote, or let the guys know about who will be potentially listening in? By all means, just fire it over, fire, uh, just shout it out just now. And again, I will post any links in the description as well to, to anyone who's listening. Cool. Well, basically, all of my handles is my full name, James Alexander Ellis, all one word. So on Instagram, it's at James Alexander Ellis. My Facebook page is at James Alexander Ellis. And my website is www.jamesalexanderellis.com. Easy. And also, <laughs> Um, you know, and I, I know we share similar followers and we do a similar thing for our coaching businesses. But if anybody ever wants to reach out and just ask me a question, um, don't be shy. Give me a follow and I'll try and follow you back. And also, if anyone wants help with coaching, then um, just drop me a DM. Fantastic, James. I love it. Um, well, that was an amazing conversation, James. I really, really appreciate your time. Yeah, um, thanks for your time. Hopefully everyone who was watching um, enjoyed it and we will certainly um, be, be posting across the podcast and YouTube and things like that as well. So thank you nice very one. much for, for having us on, James. Um, really appreciate it again. And we Thanks, hope Andrew. To, hopefully hope to do this again in the future, mate. Yeah, definitely. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening, Fantastic. guys. See you later on, James. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Fitness for 9 to Fivers with Andrew Marsham. You're a grown-ass human being. You have a job, maybe two, kids, errands, bills, a wife, friends. And while the excuse list gets bigger, so does your waist. That's where Andrew comes in. Until next time, find Andrew on Facebook at andrew.marsham.737 and on Instagram at andrewmarsham underscore fitness. To reach out to Andrew, send an email at amfit1993 at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.